Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast number five. I'm David. And I'm Shireen. Hopefully it won't be quite so long before the next one. We'll try our best. So we hope you enjoy this issue and there's plenty more to come. So to kick things off, David spoke to Glenn the other day. Lots of things were covered. And most importantly, he gives us a complete song by song insight into his latest album, First Underground Nuclear Kitchen. Funk. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Here we go. Thanks for joining us, Glenn. Uh, it's been a while since we've done a podcast, and uh, I wanted to talk to you about the new album. Oh, it's beautiful. Can't wait to talk about it. So uh, how did the title come about? Okay. He's something you don't know, and nobody knows. After Return of Crystal Karma, even... As I was making the album, I knew I knew it was going to call it a turn of comment. I was going to have a follow-up call, First Underground Nuclear Kitchen. And I decided at the 11th hour I would call the album Build of the Machine, you know. So, you know, I, I knew at some point that I would be calling an album in the near distant future, First Underground Nuclear Kitchen. I didn't tell anybody. I know I've got a big mouth where I never told anybody. Gabby knew about it, but I never told anybody about the title. So I wanted to keep it, you know, nuclear, it's crazy, explosive. You know, for me, first underground, underground to me means, you know, first there, it means cult, it means like fresh, vibrant, and the kitchen, of course, means the studio. So it could be, you, I want it to be whatever you think it is, you know, whatever you think the title means to you is okay with me because, uh, you know, even if I didn't call it first underground nuclear kitchen, the album would be still funky and funky as, as, as all hell, so... You know, that's that's the beauty of this thing. Well, it's definitely come together at the right time. I mean, with your recent albums and uh, the direction that this is one has gone, the title just works perfectly. You know, and I think part of that is, is I stopped doing tribute CDs and, and things that I, you know, I wasn't really happy to do. And let's just say years and years ago in the mid-90s, I was so hungry to play and sing and, and wanted to uh, just to work, you know, just to work, just for simple creative reasons. And I did so much work that I said, you know, some, I need to back away from the table. I don't need to do this anymore. I want to concentrate on things that I really, really super want to do. Yeah, I'll do some sessions with my friends from time to time, but nothing that's going to interfere and coincide with, with the solo work that I do, which is now, you know, you know, traditional rock music for me was something that I never really understood because I never really enjoyed it, you know, because... You know, as much as, you know, punk is for punks and, you know, traditional rock and metal is for those kind of audiences. Before I, I, Purple Trapeze was such a, such a influential band with a lot of bands, you know. You Are the Music, written by a 19-year-old Glenn Hughes, was such an influential record for me at any that moment. And, you know, which brings me to this record. You know, now I wanted to make a fearless, honest album that I was not any outside influences from any record companies, uh, critics or fans. Everybody's got their own opinion what Glenn Hughes should do. Oh, I like the bluesy Glenn. Oh, no, I like the, the rock Glenn. I don't know, I like the jazzy Glenn. Oh, no, 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 I like the soulful Glenn. And it's really cool that I have these fans. And, you know, but this album, 
is for the true GH fan that understands all the genres. And I'm not confusing them or me any longer. Cannot go back to making traditional rock music. A, if Addiction, let's just call it the darkest rock record I ever did, if Addiction would have been a five million seller, which it wasn't, maybe I would have made Addiction part two and part three, just for business purposes. Not in that world, I'm not in the corporate world. I make records from this point from this point for creative artistic reasons and purposes that are going to make me a better soulful man to live with as, and as, as a family member and to go out of the world. So can you tell me a little bit about the, uh, the musicians in this particular record? Yeah, you know, I wrote more music on this one than ever before. I wrote a lot, a lot of music, you know, on like Satellite Imperfection and We, we Go to War, Crave and Where There's a Will, all these are musically and lyrical entirely by myself and you know too late to save the world all in water all glenn Hughes originals completely 100 percent you know and i started you know feeling really good about that i was making like i did in your other music or playing me out it was all entirely written you know those songs by me and it was a, a statement of who i am and, and was then and with satellite and imperfection and where there's a will there's that these are the new coast to coast will i love then and woman's roles to me these are my new kids you know so I knew I was going to go on the road playing this album, and I knew that there's a possibility that I would like to introduce a second guitar player with JJ. And Carlos has been on to me for five years about having Louise come over to my house in my studio, and and you know, and, and I listened to Louise on his on his on his MySpace, and he, he's a very very good guitar player. I didn't realize how funky he was until he came to my house. So he came over, and you know, I strapped my bass down, and I went bada bada bada. He said, "What's that?" I said. I'm just tuning up. That was the start of, you know, first underground. So then we wrote that song, and then, you know, immediately afterwards, in the next half an hour, we wrote Love Communion, another bass riff I came up with. And lo and behold, the next day he came back, and we sort of, you know, slammed out We Shall Be Free. And, you know, there's like, there's like, there, there, there's Louise in a nutshell, those three things right there. You know, you can hear his vibe and where he's taking me, and, you know, the songs were pretty much in my head but I wanted to see where he was going with me and damn it he got it if that's not the best sound in Tommy Bowen and Byam on We Shall Be Free than you've ever heard I, I'll buy you a chicken dinner <laughs> because that is you know and, and uh, so all those Tommy Bowen and, and you know deep purple fanatics that love that era they will be so happy to, to you know and who is in my show with JJ he's going to be amazing because we have two guitar players who will be playing with each other not against each other you know, I run a pretty good ship on the road, and I want, you know, camaraderie, and, you know, it's a really good brothers and sisters thing we have out there, so, it's going to be one, you know, man, having two guitar players, one super, super sexy, funky guitar player, Louise, and, you know, JJ, of course, everybody knows about JJ, so, Matt Goom is my, my, you know, obviously my, my drummer now for the last two years, and, Matt is chosen by Chad, so you can't go wrong with that, Matt's a younger cat, good-looking guy, um, plays really funky uh, he plays all you know he, he ticks all the boxes for me um, Chad uh, we gave Matt a in fact Matt, Matt was here when we recorded the album so he watched over Chad's shoulder and uh, he has a copy of the album with a lot of drums in it so he can you know couple with Chad's grooves but you know Matt's a really incredible drummer I want my fans to embrace him my secret weapon has been for the last 18 months Anders Olinda everybody looked at him on stage and go who's that guy he's kind of looking weird but Hey, 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 he's a beautiful cat, really shy, really delicate. He comes from jazz. If you close your eyes, it could be Stevie Wonder playing next to me. So, um, Anders is a Fender Rhodes freak, 
as I am, as I always would play me out all the way. You know, Fender Rose is an instrument you have to know how to play it. You know, when I, when I play my one of my pedals, you know, there's certain bass players don't know how to use the pedals, and one of the things that he was using them, and Anders plays the Rhodes super, super well. So, you know, there, there's a band, and I'm playing my new Yamaha bass, and there's going to be, you know, things to do at the show. There's going to be merchandise this time. You can buy your CDs. There's going to be cool, cool things to do. Um, it's going to be an event. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be slamming. Cool. Yeah, Anders is really for me, come out of his shell on this one. I mean, it took me by complete surprise. Um, having seen him live in the previous tour, he kind of was in the background, but now... Like and that's okay, you know, Anis doesn't want to be up front. Anis is a delicate guy. And, you know, he's, he's you know, Anis is genius, a genius keyboard player. Let me just make that very clear to people. You know, the fact of the matter is, yes, you know, it's my band, and I, I like to feature each member of my band, as I do, as you know, and I will continue to do that as Sting does with his people. Uh, and so, you know, Anders comes from jazz, as you know, and, and people are going to start comparing some of the things I do now with Sting, if you will. It's not kind of like that, but yeah, he's coming from jazz as well. So the fact of the matter is, is that you, until you hear it and see it and feel it, you won't understand what I'm talking about. But yeah, I'm a rocker, and I, you know, it's all good. We all know about the voice of rock. It's great, cool, cool, cool. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, yeah, I'm the king of funk, and let's shout that from the mountaintops. Let's shout it out now. And Anders Olinda is a big, big part of that. Keyboards for me, those triads, those minor ninths, those elevenths, those thirteenths, those major sevenths, which I write in my music that no other artist does in rock, is what sets Glenn Hughes aside from the rest of the pack. You know, so let's, once again, let's embrace it because I'm embracing it. And I know my fans will embrace it because they like it when I push myself. I'm not going to have the slippers and the pipe on in, at my age and just, you know, in the smoking jacket backstage and like, and I'm out there burning my ass off with brand new material and I want, you know, I know my fans want that. They don't want to see me singing these bloody songs I've, I've done 30 years ago forever. They want brand new, fresh material they can groove to. And it's an ass-shaking show. Well, talk, talking of the set list, uh, I, obviously I don't expect you to divulge it, but... Uh do you think we're down to one or two golden oldies? You're down to one or two golden oldies, and the rest is solo material. Okay. Um, I just think, you know, I won't lie to anybody. You know, if people want to come and see me this year, there are a couple of markets I'll play. I might play, of course, we know I'm going to play Russia, and I'll, I'll play the Ukraine. Where, you know, the Mark III legacy is so mammoth that it's like Zeppelin and the Beatles out there, you know, and because my records don't get bought up because there's so much black market out there, Mark III, Mark IV, Purple is huge. So I may get booked to play a series of shows out there which are primarily booked for that purpose. The rest of the world, you know, it's going to be, you know, I'm still a young guy. I'm still educating people. I, I've said before, I'm not the finished article. Any man or woman in life that says, I'm done now, I'm, I'm the person I'm going to be till I die, that's wrong because we're growing as flowers until we drop friggin' dead. So, you know, I'm always a student of the voice. I'm a student of the body also. I'm a student of health. I'm maniacal about no smoking, no drinking, no drugs. I'm maniacal about perceiving that the life is, is, is one day at a time. And I'm on this planet, I've been given this gift, and it's a beautiful thing. Before we get on to the, uh, the songs, um, and we just spoke about a set list, let me just ask about touring. Um, two countries in particular... I've been asked to ask about, and that's the USA and, yeah. and Australia. 
Um, so I was wondering if you could tell us if anything might happen this year. I have been asked to go to Australia to do four or five or six shows, and we were going to do it around the New Zealand time, and it got pulled for reasons beyond my control. But we have an agent there and a promoter in Australia that is dying to bring me over. It's a matter now. I would like to go there towards the end of the year, sort of November, December-ish. Russia looks like it's going to be November. Don't quote me on that, but that's where we're looking to go. Um, this year now, I can't really say any more than I've said because I don't want people to expect me to come to their country like, you know, I start saying countries and I don't come. We have things that are being booked and until we have confirmations, I can say between now May the 3rd and the late November, every month I'm working and I'm somewhere. We're looking at maybe 70 shows at least, at, at maybe more. So, um, the USA, I can't see much happening until next spring simply because the way we'll do America, and the only way I can do America is, is, as every other artist that sells more records than I do in this country, they have to do weekends. They fly in, we all fly out from LA on, you know, on a Thursday, and we do like a Friday, Saturday, or a Sunday, then we fly back, and that's the way you tour America now. You don't actually get in a bus anymore. Um, so obviously there's gonna be pockets, there'll be the Southeast, there'll be the Midwest, there'll be Texas, and there'll be you know, northwest and in the southwest. So there's going to be pockets where I want to play. As we know that rock in America is is that period. You know, it's the 80s was such a bad period. Thank God I didn't have a hit in the 80s. I think you know, like we we, we saw in New York and LA that we sold out pretty quick. So there is a market for me. Um, it's just a matter of of of, of doing it. You see, I want to do it appropriately, and I believe this album Funk is the album that that will garnish that because like I say you know I'm still going to play new songs and I believe these songs are my children they're beautiful and I want to present them I think every artist wants to do this but I think a lot of artists when they tour from my, my peer group God bless them they still have to play those old songs maybe they had the big 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 hits in the 80s which I never liked the 80s the music sucked I thought so um, you know it's a good thing for me to have this record now because you know I've never done a tour where I've done six, five, six, seven songs live. Right. I think I did some where we did about five. Right. You know, then we started to like, went down to four at the end, and now, you know, you know, here we are now and we're on the verge of doing this major tour with, with all these great, great funky tracks. And the, and the key ingredient, obviously, it's always about my voice, we all, we all know that, but the key underlining ingredient with my music now, the music part of it, is the groove and and I want people to move, you know. It's 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 impossible not to move to these songs. I come from that era. I just come from that era of I want you to move. I want I want to move you emotionally, but I also want your ass to shake. Well, if you move, we'll move. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be moving. 165 pounds. That's 11 stone nine, people. Jesus Christ, that's yeah. <laughs> you know, I've just been you know in the gym doing what I do. It's a spiritual condition has led me to the physical condition, so, you know, my ass followed my spiritual condition, so I guess it's a matter of getting up at 6.30 and doing what I have to do. And, and Coverdale's the same, you know, he's, he's, he's in great shape, and, and a few of us from my, from my peer group, my love, you know, Paul Rogers, we're all sort of like taking care of ourselves, and so it's, you know, some of the older guys are doing pretty well. So, just to summarize, Australia, possibly towards the end of the year. We are now working on it. My manager's still in his, he's been in his pajamas for a week. <laughs> he, he, the, the phone is ringing off the wall. Um, anybody out there would like to assist him, 
for a small fee, you've got a gig. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's crazy. We will go to Australia. There's no doubt about it. I will play there. And um, it might be later on in the year or it might be early January. Because January in Australia is bitching weather. So, you know, that's what we're looking at. And we're also looking at the Far East, too. So not so much Japan. I'm pretty much looking at I, I'll go to Japan, but I think primarily I'll be going to the Koreas and, and, the, and the, you know, Hong Kong and Thailand, maybe that. That's also the offers are coming in from there. So I want to play everywhere on this tour. Okay, cool. All right, and just a reminder for our American listeners, it was a good 12 months after the record came out before Glenn appeared over here. So don't be surprised if it takes that long again. Well, you know, the album hasn't been placed yet. I mean, I think, I, I spoke to Carl about it today. There's a couple of people come in with offers to release the album because Frontiers is releasing it to them. So it's out of my hands, but you know, Serafino in, in Italy has, has promised me that, that they will get a decent distribution here in a, in, a, in a time when nobody's buying CDs. But I know my fan base, my cult audience will be, uh, and, and like I said, David, uh, within the next few days or whenever this podcast comes out, you should have some information on when the album will be released. Right now, it's on, you can order it, I guess, from the normal places, you know, online or something, but right. I can't give you a definite release date, but it, it should be coming at any moment. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for taking care of those questions. Um, the next thing I'd like to ask you is run down each song on the new album. Yeah, you know, Cray wasn't the first song I wrote. Um, it wasn't the first song I wrote. I can't remember what it was. Um, you know what it was? It was Imperfection. I wrote Imperfection right after uh, Music for Divine. Crave opening track. Introduction, we all know that I always like to give sort of an introduction that is the start of the record, you know, hence Soul Mover in my blood, you know, Can't Stop the Flood and Valentino, I was like a, obviously, you know, a kind of a fanfare. And once again, I, I, I needed sort of this, that's, that's something I really wanted. I knew I wanted that before I wrote the track. I knew what key it was going to be, and F-sharp's a really great key to kick off the show. And... I wanted to, to have that sort of which really goes back to trapeze and that way back to the bone era that's sort of like my influences from Sly and the Family Stone and into that you know everything everything to bring it down to the melodic land and, and that chorus I wanted the bigger voices and the melodic voices to, to switch it up and back into that badass groove in that verse and to whiplash into a solo and, and I really did want to bring it down to the Fender Rhodes and the acoustic for that tell me what you crave that middle part which yeah. you know I always like to bring the music like, as you know from dark to light really quick and yeah. I do it in, in a lot of my songs and I think it's, it, it, it's emotional it's, it's awful when I when I hear artists or see artists and it's always on number 10 it's always crank 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 I like to like roller coaster. I like it to be up and down so Crave's a good, a good introduction. Definitely. And the next one? Well, you know, here we go on the, on the funk, you know, and, you know, I, track listing, I always, I always take the blame for it. It's what I do. It's, 
it's, I hear the tracks and I, I know what's going to be where. It, it's, it's never even 11th hour for me. I know, you know, when I'm writing the tracks where I want to place them. I knew that funk would be the second track, especially after the gang comes right in. Uh, it's maybe a little. I wanted it to come pretty much right after Crave. Uh, right, you know, the sequencing was really important to me. That. the audience now you know and may, maybe that song will those two songs will start the show you never know uh, that's my, i know already but uh, you, you, it'll it'll surprise you but you know it's important now to to let people know okay we're listening to crave and the next song is signifying that this is going to be this kind of record you know it's going to be super super greasy funky you know uh, tip of the hat to stevie wonder of course tip of the hat to slay in the family stone um, Curtis Mayfield, big time. Um, everybody I hear, not many people talk about theirs, you know. Maybe I shouldn't tell you who mine are, but I think you already know. You know, talk to Robert Plant, you'll probably say the Delta Blues or Chicago. Paul Rogers, maybe the same. With me, it's my influences come from Detroit and Memphis, and you know, and um, I don't think there's any funkier record you'll be able to buy this year than this album, and this is one of the funkiest tracks. Yeah, it's, I, I love it. Man. You know, like I said before, before even before I wrote the songs, I knew I was going to have horns. Like he did not play me out, I knew. And here's a quote for you. This album, people, is play me out without the drugs. <laughs> Can you feel Big Daddy? Yeah. Those horns really... Uh, well, you know, the, the horns were actually, there's a lot more horns on the track, and I, I, I took them out. I wanted them to be sparse. Mitch Manker did an amazing, those, by the way, people are real horns. It's a three-piece horn section. Uh, those cats are really hot in L.A. This, 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 this section is amazing. Mitch, Mitch Manker, and, you know, he's played with uh, uh, Ray Charles a long time and he's a really, like, amazing player. And I wanted the horns to be sparse and I wanted them to, to sound, you know, like they were from the 70s, you know, rather than, you know, there's a lot of horns we hear on records and some of the horns I'm playing me out are just too much, you know, and it's, it sounds a little bit circusy to me, but I, I was there and I wanted to, I produced it in a way I wanted it to be significantly... 70s style and I wanted it to be organic you think we'll be hearing those uh, live in some form oh you know uh, let me just say this that, that if I make a DVD in LA um, you know I, I, trust me I get film companies I've had three in the last three months they want to film a new DVD you know uh, of the new songs if I do I'd like to do it in my own town you know yeah. I would really like to do that then the horns will be absolutely on there for an artist um, like me to, to, to take a horn section out so uh, if I do something in a, in, a, in a filming situation the horns will be there right. and next up is Satellite possibly the best track I've written since uh, coast to coast I, and you know and, and people are going to if they haven't heard that they're going to go run into the to the CD and put it on tell you why I'm a man work his life away it's so it's just it just flew out of me it just the lyric flew out of me the melody it's so understated I have this tendency I've had this tendency years and years ago to throw a lot like burn the gas down and really really turbo it out and really go on full belt the old veins in your neck 
what I've learned over the last 15, 16 years is that breathe, the, the, the power is not that important. Just, you know, it's the light and shade, and it's the understatement of my vocal with the airiness of Louise's guitars and the very simplistic reggae bass line that is something that is simply unique and satellite for me. And Randy Jackson, my friend, American Idol, he, he's fallen in love with this song, and I feel that my mates, have, have, we, we, all, we, we all love this particular track, so I love it. There's nothing I can't say about this song that I hope people feel the same. It, you know, I want you to listen to this song again, people, because Satellite, to me, is a crowning achievement, and it's given me so much hope as a songwriter. And if you listen to the lyric, it kind of really says it all. Yeah. I find myself humming it to it spontaneously, yeah. walking around. It's really strange. So, it's an amazing song. Yeah. I, I think you know, 9 out of 10 people that are music musicians now, okay, yeah. They will come to that song, and you know, it all depends where you're at in your life. A lot of people love Crave. A lot of people love We Shall Be Free. A lot of people love love Communion. Everybody's got their own. A lot of people love Never Say Never. So it's it's crazy. <clears throat> yeah. Well, Love Communion's up next. Uh, great video. Can you see the life's not jaded? Never been so elevated. Underneath the willow tree, that is where I want to be. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's written in the same session as, as funk. Um, once again, uh, man, you know, I, I just played the riff. I wasn't writing it. I, I sort of flew out of me. It's in, and Louise, once again, and Gabby says this to me all the time, honey, what was that? And I'm on to the next thing. I'm, I'm writing so much, and, and the, you know, the tape player's on, so I, I can always go back and listen to it. Those riffs of, of First Underground and Love Communion are stuff that I may have just done in a... I was warming up. Okay. Now, that might sound blasé, or it might sound egocentric to some people. I'm not saying how good or bad it is, but when we said, whoa, what's that? And I just said, I don't know. And once again, they were good, it just sort of writes itself, you know. And once again, the all-important bridge, which I turn up that turbo voice, which I don't use that much on this record because I think sparseness is great. I think you know, let's use. Let's. There's not a lot of screaming here too. There's not. There's some high, really super high falsettos. There's about six octaves on this album. Six, I'm using about six octaves, which is you know here or there. It doesn't really matter. Mariah Carey's got six as well, but it doesn't really matter what how many octaves as long as the feeling and, and emotion is there. Once again, they're all important. Shit, that's love communion. And with, with Mitch's Miles Davis-y trumpet, that sexy New York muted trumpet, and okay. I threw a delay on there, I threw a repeat on that, to add a little Miles Davis on there, and I wanted to press one more time, we're throwing down the gauntlet, people. You're not listening to heavy metal here. This is definitely a funky album. Yeah. I hope those people in Germany uh, get this album. Well, yeah, bro, here's the deal. Somebody said in this interview yesterday, are you scared that, you know, this album will scare away a lot of your fans? And I said, I fucking hope so. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, as I said before in the interview, if, if addiction, you know, would have sold, or from now on would have sold five million copies, we may have been gone down a different route. 
all my albums pretty much sell a little bit more each time they release. With, with Soul Mover music, they sell more. And now, you know, here we are. I think there's definitely been a, a new audience with Soul Mover and Music for Divine. And if people are out there listening to me, you know I'm talking to you. Uh, newer fans and, you know, younger fans. And I'm not saying goodbye to my older fans, but they're not out there anymore. There's, there's, it, a lot of the Deep Purple fans are going to see friggin' Deep Purple. I don't see a lot of older people in my audience anymore. Or maybe when I go to a Bratislava or maybe a Ukraine, I see some older fans. But in fact, in the Ukraine, my God, there's a lot of young fans. So, you know, for me, it's, it's the Germans. Major marketplace for me, I am going to attack them with my new songs. I've already spoke to them about it. You'll be surprised, the people that are loving the funk out there. Cool. You know, what I won't do is, is that because I'm, I'm young at heart and because I'm in great shape, thank God I touch wood right here in my house. Um, I don't want to play the safe card I said to you before I don't want to go out there and bore myself on stage yawning and which will never happen by the way I work with players Anders in particular and Louisa coming in um, and JJ of course is a long time would push me and I push them my band can spin on the turn of a coin to play in any direction I want them to with any signal I give them such as Prince has done in the last 25 years. And that's the band now I have now. I can spin it on a turn of a coin from super funk to, 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 to break it down into, you know, don't let me bleed section to the mistreated, and the, you know, to, to, you know, to, to songs which, the new songs, the, the, the new songs, by the way, which we play, will morph into their own live versions. Early on in the tour in Norway, and we go into Germany, they're going to be, you know, Stone Cold like they were on, but the Stone Cold version like they are yeah. going to be kind of, but you know, as Land of, you know, Don't Let Me Blue has morphed into its beast and Stepping On has morphed into its beast, you know? Yeah. So, the Germans will love it because I will insist. Is it possible you play some old songs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully by the time you reach the UK where, where I'll be. Uh, oh, be we're coming, now you see, there's an audience. Let's talk about the venue right now. I could not, Carl could not get a friggin' answer from Shepherd's Bush. <laughs> Nobody was answering the phone. And funny enough, when we actually when we went back to, to the Astoria too, which the guy there, you know, uh, Alexander, uh, he, he freaked. He, he wanted this so bad. He wants to promote the shit out of this show. And, he, and to be quite honest with you, yeah, the Shepherd's Bush Empire is a better venue as you're looking at it. But the, I thought the, the 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 vibe in there was pretty shitty compared to the vibe in the Astoria too the audience is, seems to be is way more clubby and more you know you right. can get 1100 people in there people don't let the size fool you you can get and we'll have a, 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 at least have at least a thousand people at this maybe 1100 in, in June so don't please get your tickets now they're going crazy so it's a more of a club vibe in there when I say club a club can be 5000 people but it's it's an intimate place I like the stage uh, there's going to be upstairs in the, in the bar is going to be a section for for meet and greet for me now. Remember last time we that when you can't get to me because of like a curfew. We're going to go on a little earlier that night so people can can I can can actually say hi to everybody and and kiss babies and stuff. Well, that'd be cool. Yeah, after the show at the at the London Astoria, there's going to be a meet and greet. I'm coming out upstairs into that bar where it's going to be sanctioned off with some security, and I can can meet everybody because it's the last date of my my tour of, on that particular run before I go to Albania. Right, right. Alrighty, um, we shall be free. Oh,
and that's Tony Iommi, because he is the king of that, and I get to do the other side of the coin, which is kind of interesting, because Tony is a sweet man, and I do enjoy working with that gargantuan sound, but I won't play with anybody else playing, making, making that kind of music, because it's pointless, I only want to work with the best, you know. But for now, my solo career, and anybody I work with, it's going to be the funk but normal way. Funk is a word that, you know someone said to me 10 years ago, don't use the word funk, you'll scare them. Well, funk, 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 funk me down, funk me down, funk me down, funk, funk, funk. Funk you, yeah. Because funk you, I've been funked by the fucking big daddy. I am the funk, baby. Can you feel my funky power? And with that, we'll move on. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, the next one is uh, Imperfection, which we kind of touched on, but... I feel like I've been here before. Once again, in, understated. The tone of the voice is all important. Very close to the microphone. Dry, like I'm sitting on your lap, singing in your ear, breathing on your face. <laughs> Check me down on the sea, but I die. Strange now, I'm awake but I'm not breathing in a state of imperfection. In a state of imperfection. I wanted to capture that. There's a hole in the sky. It's childlike, it's real, it's coming right from down, right in my stomach, it's not in the throat. Um, it's the chords in the verse that do it for me. I think the, 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 I've had the, I had the chorus for about 18, 18 months. First of all, I wrote the chorus for like Alec Crosby, Stills and Nash with three vocal harmonies on the There Is a Hole in the Sky, Take Me Down to the Sea When I Die. Then I realized when I sang it alone at the microphone, I always do my harmonies as well myself, but I sang it alone and I went, man, just that raw voice, just one guy up close to the microphone lights were down candle was burning it was late at night and it did it for me man it absolutely did it for me first take first take cool. first take on that song and it was like when I sung that song Louis was actually walking in towards the end of the track and he shook his head and he's and I, and I you know it's like I don't need anybody to be in the studio when I'm singing to tell me how good it is. Um, I don't normally have people there because I like to you know be intimate with, with the engineer so and, once, and people probably don't, if you haven't read the, uh, the, the report, this is a Glenn Hughes album produced solely by Glenn. Chad was actually in the UK at Zeppelin thing, and it was a good thing anyway because this album needed to be completely produced with a vision by myself because it's a vision that I take responsibility for because as Play Me Out was that way, and, you know, I feel it was produced by Pat as with me, but it's like this album... Imperfection could not have been produced by anybody but me alone. It could not have been. I don't want anything to injure that texture and delicacy of that track. It's a very delicate song. And I'll tell you, that track and Satellite and Weather's a Will will stand the test of time long after I'm gone. Well, I love it. I, I just love Anders' Fender Rhodes. And don't you love, don't you love um, Louise's guitar playing one? Don't you just love that solo? I had him double track it as we did on Will I Love End with Mel or, you know, some woman's role, that kind of effect. I wanted that 
70s double track environment, a little bit off kilter, not perfect double track, and I wanted it to be just a little so you could hear that. It's important for me. Well, he's a real gem and a real find, you know. So. A real gem, and what people don't know, he's a very young cat. He actually looks like he's 12. <laughs> um, he's like a Dave Novato kind. He's a very good-looking kid, and he's, you know, he moves great on stage. It's going to take people by surprise. It's going to take people by surprise, this tour, because you've got the genius of JJ, and you've got the guy next to me on either side of me, either side of me on stage, and you've got... We are, I, I think I've got the best band out there right now out of my peer group. I, I, there's no, I mean, I don't think anybody can follow my band on stage. I think that would be absolutely ridiculous. My band would give any band a run for their money, anybody, Sting, Prince, anybody right now. I think I've got the great band, and there's no band in classic rock that could even follow this. It's, it's, it's you know, this is a real, this is, man, this is the real deal. Now, I said that before, you know, when, when, JJ, when Jeff replaced JJ and Mark came in, every band I've had has been great. You've got to give these people love, you know. So, you know, but for each album, if I want to change people around because the music is produced and written by me for a certain reason, then you got to go with it, you know? Right. But, you know, I'm pretty good with my people. I like to keep them, and my, my family, I like to keep them around. Well, it's Glenn Hughes. It's it's a Glenn Hughes show, so Glenn is going to be there. So whoever else joins you, it's really... Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't want people to sometimes, you know, I, I, you know double take it and ask me why. There are reasons why in everything in life. It's, some of it's private to me, which will stay private, but, you know, I wanted to deliver the best songs on the event with the best band I can. Yeah. Louise won't be with, with me for all the year because he's, you know, he's going to be doing other things. He's got his own career. To, but, you know, this particular first run until June 10 will be uh, with Louise. And, and there'll be more shows with Louise, of course. Yeah. Never say never. It's, 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 you know what it is? 
It's hollow freedom because I've hit the nail on the head. This is exactly where I want to be. We've hit the pulse on the button. This is super, super good times, and it's called funk. Yeah. Talking of bass, your bass playing on this whole record is just like, wow. It's loud. <laughs> now, I've had fights with Mike Scott, Del Allett, um, Fabrizio Grossi, even John O, uh, about my bass. I, I'm bass deaf, but I said, I produced by Glenn Hughes. We're going to have a fucking bass-driven album. We're going to have such a bass-driven album. I said in Crave, going back, I said, man, I want it to be as loud as, as, as and whistle. And it was. But I, I had to fight for it. Yes, I pay people to, to make my records, but I had to fight. And, you know, I thought we'd chat a bit about the bass, you know, because the drums are loud as always. I said, Chad, man, my band is bass-driven. You go to a Glenn Hughes show, it's very bass-driven. As the Yes is bass-driven, as the Who is bass-driven by and Whistle is Chris Squire. So, you know, you know, let's embrace the bass and let's go for it. This album, from every track, every single track is embracing that. The, 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 yeah, it's loud, but it's, it's appropriate. And all those tracks, people, were recorded by Jim Scott uh, from Chili Peppers fan Dixie, Dixie Chicks and Audio Slave at his studio in Valencia. Those recorded and, and uh, you know, uh, they were done by John O'Brien. Out of Jim Scott's, all those tracks, all 11 songs, were recorded live the music there's no time we stop the tape and another pro tools thing and all this the rhythm the bass guitar all those all those tracks you hear are completely live as they happened this doesn't happen in today's music anymore people are still dropping in they're adding bits and pieces they stop they stop and they stop you know their pro tools and they go back <laughs> everything i've done with chad from song mover to this has been completely live and you know something? You can tell. It's so live. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, if somebody made a mistake, which wasn't very often, you say, yeah, start, we'll, do it. we'll start again, you know? So, but we were so well rehearsed on this album that those tracks were just so, you know, so beautiful. We go to war. song I wrote after Imperfection was We Go to War, I knew, you know, I was upstairs in the studio, I put on my, 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 my Stratocaster, and I put a drum groove in there, and I started to play that, um, that, that groove, you know, which, and it just, mother, can't you see, I've been trying to get the cover free, it's just, it sort of writes itself, the melody, and then, that whole, you know, I don't care what you want. It just breaks it down. I love breakdown in songs. And then it comes into that chorus, which is, yeah, man, come on. Like, tip of the hat to Stevie Wonder. It's those minor nines, and it's the triads, and it's the, it's, it's, it's the things that I really like in my music that not many people, or in fact, nobody does. And it's introducing those chords and those horns, man, those... Those horns, this is my favorite horn track is on We Go to War. The lyric for me is dealing with more or less Vietnam, where I know a lot of friends that came back from Vietnam and that, you know, some, you know, some are very, very sick and some have, you know, some have actually committed suicide. I've known three or four guys in the last 20 years that have done that. And, you know, I've never sang a song about war or political reasons before. And, you know, I just really wanted to throw my hat in the ring and, and you know, express myself. And I really wanted to make this real 
because I've, you know, I've done some things on the Pentagon for, for some filming for the troops, and I know some of the troops take my solo CDs and they're in the field, you know, when they play some of my music, which my fans need to know that, you know, it's it's important that, that you know, I, I would love to do USO tour and go uh, with the troops and go to Iraq and, and be part, you know, and give freely back for them defending my, my, my family and my, my uh, faith, you know. So, you know, you know whether I dig Bush or not, it's it's a, none of my business. Uh, but I can't vote because I'm not a citizen. But that's going to change in the next six months, or maybe I can before it gets too late. But um, but you know, all I know is is that we go to war is a song I needed to write. You know, it's not too for anyone else or just other than myself. You know, but I love the groove. I love the breakdown. I love the horns. I love the James Brown end. You know, it's it's part of my heritage. Yeah, the horns do it for me. <laughs> the horns are—it's like Al Green. It's from—it's—it's it's from 1972. You know, it's—it's yeah. it's the real deal. Right. Okay. Uh, oil and water. You lie to me today, and the words fall from your Because 
we had another track on the album, uh, Music of the Divine, that we, we thought that Too Late to Save the World was such a great, great, great track. And it, 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 it was sort of, it's difficult because M MF4DTD is, it was an album that had to be nurtured properly, the songs had to be right, and you know, there was just too many songs we had. Now you see, I don't want people to think that, you know, I took two songs from another album to put on this one. I had so much music on this album that I'd written, but when I listened to Too Late to Save the World and Oil and Water, when I listened to these two tracks, they stood up. They stood up and they were brilliant. I thought the, the, the epicness and the, and the beauty of, of, of the light and shade that I've been talking about in my music on Too Late to Save the World, there's always a big, long track on my album. And it's, it's got a lot of the turbo and it's got a lot of the, the, the softness in my voice, but it's also singing about a childhood nightmare that I used to continue to have about Edgar Allan Poe and houses falling down around me and, you know, and I didn't, you know, I didn't understand what Nightmares was when I was four or five years old. So this song is written about that. And, you know, uh, it's something I thought was, was important to put on this record. I could have delivered 11 super, super, super jazzy, funky tracks. Um, maybe I'm getting to that point, but I just thought this Too Late to Save the World was another song that would draw people in. And it kind of gives people a breather and, and gives people a, a something else to listen to, you know, and takes them on another road. Where there's a will. No, no, no. My intention, I got a soul intention. I try to carry on. The last track I written, um, I hadn't played it to anybody. I'd been, you know, tooling around with that song. Probably one of the great, great songs of my career. The chord changes I'm super proud of. And, you know, it's a song of hope for me because where there's a will, there's a way. It just shows you that, that there's hope and, there's, you know, there's for everybody. And, and um, you know, it's, it's don't break me. It's, 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 I'm telling people that I am, although I'm, you know, in, I really love life, but I'm also delicate as well, and I want the, I wanted the album to, to fall into that delicate, sensual place that I like to, to when I go to bed every night, every, every single night before I get into bed, before I get into bed, I have a guitar next to the bed, it's the old Martin, next to my bed, and I play songs, or I write songs, like Where There's a Will, I'm working on one right now, this is just awesome, this is the kind of music that I go to sleep on. When I write or I play guitar before I go to bed, I'm writing or, or singing and playing stuff that, it's like a lullaby to myself, you know? So, and Gabby just loves, she just loves it when I play guitar before I go to bed. So, and so I wanted the album to close with the way I finish my day. This is the way I will finish my day or a song like this that's coming out of me or I'm working on a song similar to this because it, there's no way I can play intense rock music before I get into bed. And I have to play before I get into bed because it's, I have to play, I just gotta do it. It just makes me go to sleep. <laughs> so, you know, where there's a will for me, the last thing I think I sing is Will You Comfort Me? Because, I, yeah, it's a very big album funk, but it's also, I'm letting you know that, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm slightly delicate. So, you know, I am 
I am so happy with my life right now. But, you know, I want people to know that I'm a human being and I, you know, it's, it's, there's, you know, again, there's a very soft side to me, extremely soft side, you know, but I can turn up the heat and I can turn it on as much as anybody else and it's 20 years younger than myself and I don't have any problem with that. But there's a side to me where the album falls into the, you know, my invention, I have a sole intention. It's, 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 you know, I'm, you know, I'm not really talking to anybody. I'm talking to myself. You know, and it's a big thing. It, it is my invention, and I believe, you know, it's it's something that yeah, this voice of rock tag has been wonderful. It's been, people say, well, how do you feel about that? Well, it, it wasn't something I call myself. It's what the media, the KLF, and critics have called me now for almost 20 years. The people who need to know about me is, is that I'm an explorer. I'm an explorer of music, and I'm a student of the voice, and I'm a student of guitar, bass, drums, keys and every instrument I pick up, and I am pushing myself, and there's no greater way to finish, and there's this keyboard on where there's a will, by the way, the roads, and that, it's called the worm, that, that's called the worm, it's been used by Stevie Wonder, and it's been used by, you know, a lot of great R&B people, I want people to know where I'm at musically, yeah. and that song sort of, like I say, if you're a true GH fan, you will follow me, and you know, you have to be brave enough, and you also have to open your, your soul, because when I'm going to take my audience, and I'll say this, this is kind of brazen, I'm going to take you where no other person from my age group will take you. So we have to do this together. So, but I'm not turning back. I'm not going to go back to making square-sounding traditional rock records, because what's important is my spiritual condition, my spiritual progression, and my going forward on a daily basis to the next level of continuity on a higher plane, and that is called this music. Well, thanks for running down uh, all the different songs, and man, it's just... it. it gives you every shade of Glenn Hughes, you know? That, it really does. And you know, it's like, and I'll say right now, people, I mean, you know, people have wondered, always wondered why I, or how I can, 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 can always make records in every 15, 16 months. And, you know, you know, in 15, 16 months, there may be another one, but I don't think so. I, I think this album will be, be, be I'm going to take a bit of a break now from recording, um, unless I feel I need to, to go in again. Uh, this album is taking it out of me. And uh, as I sing on stage nightly, and I don't want to frighten anybody, I die a little bit. I die a little bit because I give so much up there. And in the studio this time, it, it took its toll on me because it's a very, 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 very emotional album. And I also almost gave myself a coronary with such joy and excitement playing the music that nothing this can... And I said to you before, people, it's better than food. It's better than sex. When you hit a pivotal place in your life musically or if you're a, a runner if you know what I'm talking about if you exercise or if you you know if you're a skydiver I hit that peak on this and there's nothing greater than the high of making this kind of music so but it, it took it, it took a lot out of me man and Kevin you know with Kevin dying right, right. I had to make the album the same week you know the same week and it was and he was with me. He was absolutely with me on satellite. I, I can tell you right now, he was actually standing next to me and I sang satellite. So, you know, I want people to know it was a difficult time for me. Kevin's death was very, 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 very difficult for me. Very, I've lost people in my life very close to me, but not the way I've lost him. Because what people don't realize about him, that he was a very, very close family member to me. He stayed at my house a lot. 
and you know, you know, I was helping Kevin, and and um, and uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm still still grieving from it. I'm accepting it now, but but it was a difficult time for me to make this record. But um, I knew he was with me all the way. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, is there anything else you would like to let everyone know about? Uh, you've got a hectic schedule the rest of the year. You've you've got possibly. Uh, a book deal in the works, I hear? And yeah, there's going to be a book. It's, you know, I can't give you the title right now. I've been working on the book quietly behind the scenes for two years with Joel McIver, who did the Metallica book, and he's, you know, well-versed in, 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 in music biography. He's very, very talented. He's been to my parents' house. We've gone through the attic. We've gone through the vault, the, the, the photographs, and we've, we're interviewing people. Um, it's going to be my story, but there will be a few people interviewed, but... It's going to be a, a rather. It's going to be a big book. Um, um, it's it, we we we're going to announce it. Actually, I'm announcing it now, aren't I? So there's going to be a book. Uh, I can't say the release date. We're looking uh, hopefully by Christmas. It's going to be a true account of my life, my side of the story, because we've all known about what people have said about me, and everybody else has had their opinions of, of me, and I've never retaliated. It's not me to do that. It's not the kind of person I am. But I think a lot of things need to be spoken about. A lot of hidden truths, a lot of a lot of things that didn't, people don't know about me that may shock them. That may shock them. That may shock them. And I say that three times because I have to be completely, bluntly honest in this book. There might be some things that that make you uncomfortable. There might be some things that you did not know about me that, that make that, that you may that make people think and 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 they make people understand where I've been, you know. I'm going to talk about that, but I'm also going to talk about the solution, which is my recovery, and the people I've met along the way. Uh, most people have been very kind, but I've met some jackasses, and you never know, I might tell you about it. <laughs> well, I'll look for it under the Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, we're going to, you know, um, Joel, Joel's meeting me in, uh, in London. Um, we, we, we get together every, every two or three months for two or three hours and we're in person, and he, he comes, Joel comes to my house. This has been going on quietly behind the scenes. I didn't want to, now we're going to announce the book. So, you know, it's, by the time this comes to the podcast out, the book will be announced. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful time. All I can say, people, is embrace what is happening if you're a GH fan. Um, I say this to you because I want to take you on a journey. You've been with me on the journey, but now we're really, really going for it. You know, I think my fans want me to express myself in a very artistic way. And I can promise them this, that I will deliver the best way I can from the bottom of my heart. Well, thank you very much for taking the time again. You're welcome. Man. I want to thank you, David, for being an amazing webmaster and friend and Shireen. And, and, and uh, you've been awesome to me. And and people should applaud you. Hip, 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 hooray for Dave. <laughs> Thank you. All right, well, until next time, and uh, we'll see you on the road. God bless you all. See you soon, people. Love you. It's time to move on, make it real. There is a place I got to go. No doubt about it, you Wow, that was great. We look forward to the new album coming out. I can't wait to get my hands on it. And uh, we look forward to podcast number six. Okay, that's the end of podcast number five. We hope you'll tune in to the next one. Uh, we 
We'll try not to make it quite so long in between. We hope to see some of you on the road, uh, in the UK especially. So maybe we'll catch up with some of you in the flesh. So that's it. And be sure and check out the websites, glenhughes.com, ghpg.net. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye, Bye for now.